1: After you England. go to plan B. Okay,
0: great. What is that?
2: Mission Impossible. Dead reckoning. Ready? pg 13. Everybody hates the taking off and putting on your shoes nightmare at the airport. But now, there's an easier way. New hands-free Sketcher slip-ins. With these Sketcher slip-ins, you just step in and go. Without bending down or looking for a place to sit. Try new machine washable hands-free Sketcher slip-ins.
3: These caramel cold brew M&M's are like M&M's with a coffee shop vibe. Maybe too much of a coffee shop vibe. This next one is about the importance of friendship, so I'm gonna maintain eye contact while I sing it. Oh boy
0: Stitcher Podcast Google Podcast YouTube and more
3: welcome back to our channel of klp entertainment reporting live from our newsroom this is SNN. i'm beatrix gemma here's your business news breaking for july 25th the cable company acquired the network once billed as a cnbc for millennials in 2019 for 200 million dollars The cable company Altice USA is said to be weighing a potential sale of Cheddar News, the network once billed as CNBC for millennials, less than five years after buying the company. Altice USA has hired Goldman Sachs to help explore strategic alternatives for Cheddar News, according to three people with knowledge of the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity. They cautioned that Altice was still weighing its options and could decide against a sale. Representatives for Altice USA and Goldman declined to comment. A sale would be a retreat from Altice USA's big bet on the streaming news company. Altice, which is controlled by the French-Israeli billionaire Patrick Drahi, paid $200 million for cheddar in 2019. The deal was seen as a way to elevate the company's news division, which also includes the News 12 networks. Cheddar had pitched itself as the future of financial news, featuring interviews with chief executives, newsmakers and journalists from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Cheddar does not operate like a traditional cable business. John Steinberg, the network's founder and a former BuzzFeed president, struck deals to distribute it across a wide range of platforms. Among them, Gas Station TV, which, yes, plays at the pump and MTV's College Campus Network, which Cheddar bought in 2018. Some of those packs are not as profitable as cable distribution deals, however, rather than having cable TV providers like Comcast pay for each of Cheddar's viewers, an industry practice known as carriage fees, the channel relies mostly on advertising revenue. That's a tough business model for media companies competing against tech giants like Meta and TikTok for a share of the digital ad market. Indeed, Cheddar has recently laid off employees. Shares of Altice USA are down about 70% over the past year. The company, which provides broadband service across 22 states, reported declines in profit and revenue in the first quarter, news and advertising revenue alone fell 14%. Altice is set to report second quarter earnings next week.
1: Rebranding the social network as X marks the billionaire's latest gamble to reinvent the company, after buying it last year for $44 billion. Bye bye, Bluebird. Twitter overnight began rebranding itself as X, replacing its longtime logo with a stylized symbol that was projected onto its San Francisco headquarters. The move underscored Elon Musk's ambition to make the social network a key part of his longtime goal of creating an everything app. But it is also another risky gamble to reinvent a business that has struggled since he paid $44 billion for it last year. Lights. Camera. X. Wrote Linda Yaccarino, the company's C. E. O., as the social network starting rolling out its new branding. Gone is the stylized bird, a version of which was once dubbed Larry T. Bird by the Twitter co-founder Biz Stone, which became one of the most famous internet logos, and which the company has described as its most recognizable asset. The platform's about page hasn't yet been updated, but Ms. repeatedly referred to X in a series of tweets outlining the company's ambitions. Expect X to more fully pervade the company, Mr. Musk described an internal message to employees over the weekend as the last he'd send from Twitter, and he told a user that a post should be called an X instead of a tweet. Mr. Musk was very clearly behind the makeover, having long been fascinated by the X identity. His second startup was XCOM, which eventually became PayPal. The writer Walter Isaacson shared tantalizing snippets of his coming Musk biography about that. Mr. Musk incorporated X into the name of SpaceX and Tesla's first car model, and he recently named his new A.I. Startup Shy. Not everyone was on board with the move, though some ad executives said what matters more is whether users stick with the platform. Ms. Yacarino briefed marketers Sunday on the latest changes at the company, according to the Financial Times, which also include collaborating more with Shy. The revamp may raise questions about how much authority she wields at the company, after Mr. Musk imposed view limits for users that didn't please advertisers. It's more than a branding exercise. As Twitter has struggled under Mr. Musk, a pivot to relying on subscriptions hasn't made up for a 50% drop in ad revenue, negative cash flow, and a new threat from Meta's threads, he has increasingly emphasized the company's importance in what he calls X. The Billionaire has long dreamed of creating a super app that could serve as a platform for everything users could do online, much as WeChat does in China. But as third-party data suggests user numbers are falling, it's not clear how much runway Mr. Musk has to get a reborn ex airborne.
2: This is Jason. He has more than 2,500 band shirts, enjoys 80s thrash metal albums, has a dog named Bello Lugosi, drinks black coffee in the morning, and I sue government agencies for information. I'm Jason Leopold, and I'm an investigative journalist. Money laundering, corruption, covert programs, secret service, visiting celebrities, I have the luxury of dipping my toe into any subject. I've been described as a FOIA terrorist by the FBI, I've also been referred to as a member of a FOIA posse by the Department of Justice, and the NSA has actually said I've weaponized the FOIA. The Freedom of Information Act, which is commonly known as the FOIA, is a law that gives you the right to access information from the federal government. It's a half century old law, often described as the law that keeps citizens in the know about what their government is doing. It's an incredibly powerful tool. So I first got involved with the Freedom of Information Act, probably about 15 years ago. And really where it started to pick up, was during Occupy Wall Street. I started to file requests with the FBI related to their role in allegedly dismantling the encampments that were set up around the country. Remarkably, the FBI response to my FOIA request by stating they had no records and they could not locate any records. So I had hooked up with a attorney and he told me, well, we can sue the agency. We can sue the FBI." And I was like, wait, what? I can sue the government? Uh, where do I sign up? And wouldn't you know, once I sued them, they found those records that they said they could not find. And from that moment on, I just kind of kept filing requests and suing the government. I'm constantly filing FOIA requests. I've easily filed more than 5,000. There are instances where I'll be driving and I'll hear something on the radio and I need to pull over because I have to get the request file. Really what I'm trying to do is to pry these records so I can build out investigations, but also trying to get records that would enlighten the public and shed light on hot button issues. I think the FOIA is underutilized by the general public. Journalists only make up a sliver of requests that are filed on the federal level. There's certainly been an uptick in the use of FOIA over the past decade or so, but the majority of the FOIA requests that federal government agencies receive are from commercial requesters. People who are taking that information and selling it, they're not requesting records that are in the public interest. They're not sharing those records with the public. The FOIA request is what I refer to as a template. My template says, this is a request under the Freedom of Information Act, then I cite the law, and I'm telling the agency exactly what I'm looking for. So it's a very simple process, but it can also be painstaking, and here's why. Agencies are not so eager to turn over records, and I just sit back and wait. But sometimes waiting can take years. It's like Christmas when I get these, whoa, whoa, U.S. Treasury Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And this is a request that I actually filed back in 2017. So it's taken the agency about six years There really is no general wait time. There's more than 400 federal government agencies. So depending on the agency, the request can take anywhere from three months to 10 years. The least amount of time that I've waited for documents was about two days. I would say that the record of documents that arrived on my doorstep in one day was probably about 7,000 pages from the State Department. And I think that they did that as a Udemy, knowing that I'd have to thumb through each and every page. The request that had the most impact, and I mean the most impact, was for Hillary Clinton's emails. We are all accountable to the American people to get the facts right. And it was my request and my lawsuit that became the vehicle by which all of Hillary Clinton's emails were released. And by the way, like, I had no idea she had a private server. I was just trying to, like, get the public to be like, hey, look, it's our emails. Anyway, the FBI has uncovered new evidence in its investigation of Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. Donald Trump is praising the FBI's decision to review new emails. Another FOIA request that I filed and ultimately a lawsuit that resulted in... Thousands of records that were released that had enormous impact were records around Robert Mueller's report into whether or not Trump had colluded with Russia during the campaign of 2016. I was able to get Donald Trump Jr's name unredacted from the Mueller report. I've gotten records from the government where they talked about me in emails. And one time, the FBI sent an agent out to investigate one of my FOIA requests and I only found out about that because I filed a FOIA request with the FBI. The most rewarding part of this job has always been holding power to account and speaking truth to power. That is really what keeps me going and being able to shine a light into dark places.